0: This week's episode of the Inside Running Podcast is proudly sponsored by ASICS. Stability has never felt better than with the Gel Kayano 30. Updated with a 4D guidance system for support right when you need it and pure gel technology for softer landings every time. Visit ASICS.com or your specialty running store to grab your pair today.
1: Much pain. Now I hear you say you got the best of both ways. I want you come and take a walk in my shoes and tell me if you take my place oh, no.
2: Welcome to episode number 300 of the Inside Running Podcast, thank you for joining us for another week, just talking off air, not a lot to talk about in the world of running this week, but I'm sure we'll still feel 60, 80 minutes of running chat, and um, yeah, massive appreciation for people tuning in, welcome to my co-host, is up in Canberra, one week out from his heart operation, Brad Croker, how are you going this week? Good, thanks Brady, and um, congratulations boys on reaching 300. 300 is good. I don't know if Moose celebrates the episode numbers or the years. Or is that you? I know one no, of you guys doesn't
0: celebrate I can't
3: remember it. what I was on. Yeah. I remember one of them, but now I just can't remember.
0: Yeah, I probably celebrate years more than episodes. But when you think about 300 weeks, and I was chatting to Viv the other day, trying to work out how many of the 300 weekly shows I've missed. And I reckon it would only oh, it be, be it would be a handful. Like, I, I don't reckon it would be any more than five.
2: That's pretty good, yeah. Oh, I would have missed the most because I've done like Road to Valencia and Road to Gold Coast. Yeah, but then Moose, you wouldn't have missed many either over the years. Welcome to you, by the way, to this week's episode.
3: I can't. Thank you. I can't remember missing too many, few here and there, but never like a batch in a row. Probably similar, Moose. Like five or
2: so. Probably about mm. that. I remember when I'll talk about a bit later the uh whole three hundred episode, what we want to do with the listeners kind of thing, but I am the one thing I am proud of is that the show has come out for three hundred consecutive weeks, like considering we've had what how many children in there? five children, couple of weddings, change yeah. in workplaces, living arrangements, marathons sickness, I know Bush, we bushfires down the coast, bushfires, floods, my house nearly went under. Yeah. Um, I think it's, yeah, yes, there's been some episodes where it hasn't been all three of us, but the show has continued to come out weekly for 300 weeks, which I think is probably the biggest achievement out of all the things.
1: Mm,
3: Yeah, Yeah, it's, look, it's a lot of podcasts start and finish real quick, just because it's like, it's easy to get through the excitement period, like, which is, I guess, the honeymoon period. Mm. Early on, you're excited, you've got all these ideas, you've got a few guests rolling through that you've thought about for ages. And then all of a sudden, the guests dry up, the topics go a bit cold, there's a week without running news that one of the hosts gets injured, and all of a sudden, fizzles, gone, see you later.
2: Yeah, listeners drop off. What about when we got through, like, COVID, when there was just no running news for, like, a year and a half? Everybody just got cancelled. That
3: was podcast boom time.
2: I know, numbers went through the roof then, because no one could run with groups of people anymore. Yeah. I also think...
0: I also think the podcast being good for our running, like all of us have run PBs uh, in the time that we've had like the podcast running for. And I don't know, like for me, especially in those early years, like twenty twenty seven, end of 2017, when I had the disappointment of, of not finishing at Berlin and you guys running pretty well, it sort of gave me that motivation to get back on the horse and run well in 2018. And it all, it also just kept you accountable every week of like, you know, you got to get out there and, and train because you've got to get on, you know, every Monday night and go through your training. So it, it certainly helped me, um, yeah, to stay sort of motivated and, and kept me accountable.
2: Yeah, and it's been interesting to see how podcasting's evolved as well. Like I think we, people know us now because of the podcast. We're not like a certain status and then you start a podcast and build off the status you've already got, if that makes mm. sense. Whereas now yeah. I feel like everyone who's popular or a decent runner now just creates a podcast and that's just an add-on to their their branding almost. So, yeah.
3: Podcasting, podcasting's a cheap win now for, for companies too and profiles, influencers. It's like, what's next? Oh, I do a podcast. Yeah. Of course I do a podcast. It doesn't cost anything. Yeah. I can put it together and, yeah.
0: I barely knew what a podcast was when we first started. I reckon... You mentioning, Brady, that you do your own personal podcast was probably the <laughs> the first uh, exposure I had to them with yeah. Tell Me Your Tales. I
3: remember that. I remember thinking, what a fucking
0: loser this bloke is. <laughs> <laughs> What's a podcast? Who does podcasting?
3: <laughs> what
2: a nerd. <laughs> Here we are, fellas. Someone, I did an interview for another podcast the other day and they were asking me about you two, what number you guys were on, Tell Me Your Tales, and I was trying to think about it. Do you guys know off the top of your head?
0: Uh well, okay. I was in two parts.
2: Yeah, yeah. You think oh,
0: I
3: was... earlier? I reckon. Maybe yeah, you...
2: I said you were four, and I said Croaks was about eight.
3: Been but... Verway before me, I reckon.
2: Here we go, Julian Spence, number four. I've just found this.
3: Verway before me.
2: Um, oh, it's going back to.
3: Uh,
2: I'd have to look it up. Sorry, not sure. Yeah. Julian, oh, here we go. No, I'm nine and ten. Part one and, and part two. Twelfth yeah. of March, two thousand seventeen. Moose.
3: Yeah. Um, okay. So. Uh, I don't even remember what I was... I was building up for Great Ocean Road, perhaps, then.
2: Episode four, Julian Spence, two-time Great Ocean Road Marathon winner, owner of the running company Ballarat, record holder, both on the Hotham Trail Race, and all oh, round, yeah. an Jeez. all-round ripping bloke.
3: Oh, Jeez. yeah. Mm-hmm. Gee, you had to lie a bit in the intro <laughs> to get listeners.
2: Anyway, <laughs> let's move on. Let's talk about some running stuff. Moose, do you want to go through your week first? Tell us about some marathon oh, yeah. training. Got some people frothing on Strava over the week. Really? Yeah, you've been getting what, it. Why don't you like start throwing down media In your
3: DMs or something?
2: No, just on yours. I just see the kudos come up. I see the comments yeah. when you start dropping marathon workouts. That's a good thing, marathon training for Strava.
3: Yeah, it's not like that, though. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it certainly wasn't a super session or anything like that. I'll go. I'll get to it. But Monday, um, it was pretty beat up still from Bandura. And also Sunday, kind of like you know, snuck that long run in. Dom Sun Monday morning, so 4.56 is for the, the run, so pretty cruisy, that one. And then in the Arvo, four forty fours is for 40 minutes. The um, next morning, uh, we were, what happened this day? Oh, I was off to, I was off to uh, Melbourne for, sure. Ellie had her, her testing this day, so I went up for that. And so I got a bit of a, a late start, I guess. Um, Bree and I ran together, actually. So we ran from my mum's house and we just did a loop of town. That was quite good. Don't often get to run with Bree. I don't think we said a word to each other for, like, the first 20 minutes. <laughs> it was beautiful. Just, like, tapping along. Could hear each other's footsteps. But that's, I reckon that's when you're comfortable with someone, when you can run along and not have to, like, create conversation. You're just comfortable with, like, silence. The afternoon, but when I got back, I ran half an hour just up and over the cliffs, pretty stupid this one it's like a hilly a hilly double. I was feeling pretty shit, so this all this week i didn't go to work the next day i um just ran an hour. I was considering doing a workout, but I bailed out on it um i've had a I've had nausea for about ten days up into this this Wednesday that I'm talking about. So I would wake up and I would just feel nauseous. Um, And I didn't really know why. I thought maybe I had like a virus or, I'd I'd, I'd increase my calories just to handle the the mileage a little more. Um, And I thought it could have had something to do with that, which uh, like potentially it could have because I started to eat some stuff I didn't normally eat. But then like, I worked out it wasn't that probably by, probably by Wednesday. Like it's just, as a bit of a side effect. I think from some anxiety stuff I was having, like I had a few other symptoms of that, which I often get like stomach issues from. And I think there is a link between, um, like your mental state and your stomach health. I don't know whether one causes the other. Because sometimes I've had like a bad stomach, and it definitely like, like, has me down in the, like, like in the um, mood, sort of, <laughs> in the mood space. But so I think they play into each other's hands, and 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 I just couldn't like I was I was gagging on a lot of these runs, like dry reaching. I thought I'm not actually ready to do a workout yet. So I went. I had the day off, and that that day off work really helped me because by the afternoon. I I felt good. Um, So I went out with Ali just for 30 minutes and um, I reckon I was back on track here. So Thursday morning, I I did a workout. It wasn't a crazy workout. I wanted something to come off Bandura and into a marathon weekend. So it was just a threshold. It was four by seven minutes to heart rate. I didn't um, have pace or anything showing. I made sure I did it on a loop that's not that fast, um, just cause I didn't want that to be a, a factor in the workout. I just wanted to go off intensity. So the first rep, uh, 322 pace and then 90 seconds I had between them. Um, second rep 314 and then third rep 316, fourth rep 318. So it got a little slower towards the end, but it's a pretty bumpy track this, and I didn't really care what the pace was. I was pretty happy to see those paces at the end, just like that's that's okay for my threshold work. And then, well, I think I didn't no, I didn't double. I went up to um, I went up to the Loyal Canoe concert. So that was that was actually awesome. Big big performer. I actually I never really. Like, I listen to his music uh, a lot, but I've never really seen videos of him or anything. Like, I don't really use YouTube much. Um, so it was pretty cool to see him, like, in his element. And the crowd was, like, super young. Bree and I would have been in the, like, 10% of the oldest people there. So that was <laughs> that was funny. But it was great. The show was awesome. I don't go to live music much at all, and... Going up to the city, there are things I hate about it, but there's also, like, this energy that you just don't get in a small town. Like, crazy energy in it, like, live music venue, a palais theatre. It's, like, such a spectacular building. Um, so there's some cool stuff, like, that you do miss out on in small towns. Uh, but I ran the next day in, on the tan, so I did three laps back to the hotel, I ran in the Sockany Kinvara Pro, which is a shoe that's about to release. Uh, it's a high-stack plated training shoe. Um, it's got two different foams in it. It's got like their super foam and also their real stable foam. It's quite a firm-feeling shoe. Some people will really like it. Uh, it might be on the firm side for me. Um, Saturday morning, ran with Ellie. We, we went on a trail run, so I, I got these new shoes, the new... New Balance Super Comp trail and I wanted to test him on, and Ali just got a pair too So I wanted to get on some proper trails to give him a give him a shout And and the, So Ali made a loop actually and, and a lot of it was single track if you get my Strava up check out how good this trail looks boys
2: Yeah, I looked at the video Bit of how,
3: how about that green moss on the side into like a, a soft dirt oh, just incredible is it like um, that
0: the whole way or does it get like nah. rough rough and narrower?
3: There's oh. that's why I said to Ali, I'm like if fake new, like fake news social media would say, just run an hour on this, straight <laughs> out my back step, do it every day. There's like a one k section of like this. Um yeah, it's it's uh it's an it's an awesome part of the, the track. We did get some pretty cool trails as well, but these shoes really like the single track bit of softness underfoot. They're a bit firmer on the dirt roads, which we did get onto. Uh, but I, I felt pretty good on this one. Um, there was a fast pace for that trail run, actually. Uh, I doubled that that night, so half an hour, just cruisy round town. Ran up to the footy to see, the, uh, see if they were still playing. They weren't. So cool story, that one. <laughs> <laughs> Marathon workout on the Sunday. So I've kind of been looking forward to this one. It's like the first proper marathon session I've done in ages. It was I wanted to run steady for 20k over some hills, and then I had a 15k progression planned. After that, so I would change shoes. I would just put a bottle out on the on the car. Um, That the the first road that we ran on Gunflats Road is a dirt road, and it's like got some undulations in it so that's pretty much where the only hills were on this run at the at the end where i did the workout it was pretty flat but it's pretty decent climb up and then you, you sort of run back to the car and then back up a, a steep hill at the end so i think we averaged 410 for that period then changed um shoes probably about a i'm going to say a five minute turnaround um I don't know for sure, but it wasn't that long. And I had a real high heart rate at the top of that hill. Like, I pushed up that last hill. So, when I was getting changed, my heart rate was still banging. Um, and then I got into the, the rep. So, it's 3x5k. Uh, let me just. Um, it's 3x5k continuous. So, there's no gaps. I wanted the plan was to hit 335, 330, 325, just with the probably thought that I'm about. 325 marathon shape right now maybe a little fitter but I don't I don't want to push anything so hitting marathon pace for 5k at the end of 35k is is a pretty difficult thing to do and I don't have that history over the last three or four years of doing workouts like this and and so I thought it would be difficult for me Uh, I couldn't get comfortable here so I took off the first first 5k I just couldn't get my um, rhythm right. So I was like, I was slapping away. The shoes felt shit. I wore the next percent three. It's the first sort of bad experience I had with them. And it wasn't a shoe thing. It was just my legs just weren't feeling comfortable and I couldn't find the right rhythm. So I ran 3.33 pace. But that, like, that's not because I felt good and 3.35s was too slow. That was because I couldn't find the rhythm I wanted. Um so I, I I wasn't, like, stoked to, to run faster for that section. I was actually a little disappointed because I, I wanted to be disciplined with this.
2: Can I just ask, Moose, what did you do between the 20K and the 5K? Like, you do some strides and stuff? To like,
3: nah, no. not for this So time. you reckon
2: you felt a bit sluggish? You, ch- you yeah, changed sluggish. shoes, though, didn't you? Yeah.
3: I um, straight to the car, chucked the shoe on, had a sip, a drink, and off I went. Yeah. So I'm going to say five minutes. Um, yeah, it was... normally I can pull that off okay I don't I wanted to keep it as close as possible without a break just so it was more like one continuous run rather than long warm-up workout Uh, and I was just so keen to get into it like I was really looking forward to it and so I just wanted to like basically just jump in Um, I turned around it started to get a bit windy by now I turned around and I had a downhill for the whole – I mean, a downhill but also a downwind for the next 5K. So once I ran the 3.33s, I'm like, all right, I'll try to drop five seconds a K from here in. That would be a good progression like planned. The next 5K was the easiest by far because I went downhill but I had the wind behind me. And then I turned around and I had the last 5K. And and this is where I, I, I lost um, – sort of lost the plan a little bit because i turned and the the wind was strong so it was probably 20 30k an hour headwind um and i was i was forcing myself into it rather than relaxing and just accepting that it would be slower because like i think this is where i just became that old runner again where if you've got a progression run planned and your third block of a three block progression gets slower like that's a bad feeling and so i was i was i made a bad call i pushed too hard here heart rate reflects it heart rate of the last two reps was 156 162 this one was 175 so this is over threshold uh i ran three and a half k into the wind i averaged like 324s or something and then i turned around to go back to the car 1500 meters (laughs) and ran um, three tens, and it was like, felt like nothing. My heart rate dropped um, back to 170 or something, I think. So it just felt, felt easy at the end, but I still cooked the workout a little. Anyway, cool down, 2K, so it's 37K. Um, uh, yeah, it was, it was a good day. I felt really good in the afternoon. I didn't feel beat up. I've had way more um, tougher long runs than this over the hills and and today I was tired but I have no sore spots so it was overall it was good um and I think I ran 142k or something like that for the week which was my biggest week for probably since I had my knee up I reckon or yeah maybe about that
0: Mose, could you had the heart rate monitor on because I know like if you're doing a progression run and you don't have the heart rate monitor on you're more likely to just go all right like I'm I know I'm working hard but I'm I'm going to I'm going to do what my program had, and that means run the last rep the fastest. But then, when your heart rate starts to get over 170, and you know you're like you're well above sort of marathon effort, did you at any point think about like dialing it back?
3: Um, yeah, I didn't have my heart rate showing, so I didn't know. I did, but I I also don't really like I'm I'm kind of picking marathon pace out of the sky at the moment, like out of nothing, and I'm saying, "Oh, this is probably it." Uh, in my head, like <laughs> I don't fully know where it is. I knew it was too hard at the time. Don't get me wrong; like the effort level was too hard, but because I I didn't have a solid plan of of pace, like before the workout, because of the the wind sh- through things, and I thought, "Geez, I've got looked after the last the the second block I'm like maybe I need to uh, like I got looked after with this downhill and I didn't push the pace on it it probably allows me to push the pace on the way back in retrospect I should have probably gone a bit faster on the second rep and used the tailwind and actually ran to the effort I should have and then on the way back I probably should have slowed down and the paces may have looked exactly the same but the progression was in the effort
0: It's good run though like do you find because obviously when you said you felt a bit sluggish in the or trying to find that rhythm like you haven't done any like you haven't done any of these for a very long time and and you'd probably agree with me in that like this is on the larger side for a first introductory like hard Sunday long run but you have to do this because Sydney's not that many weeks
3: away yeah And yeah yeah the the 15k this is why I should have run it slower too, like because of that. So it, I, I, I didn't really want to hit this type of effort at the end. Like I wanted to run 35K and this 15K, if I went and did, so what was my, um, if I went and did 15K is just a workout on a Thursday or something and averaged, uh, let's say like 326s. I don't know what the average is, 326. Six, about, about
1: seven. that
3: yeah I would go yep that's a good workout that like regard. and then I've got 20k before it so it is a big workout uh, probably didn't give it the credit it needed I probably needed like for this to be a, a better workout for me here like in terms of risk first reward and everything I should have been around 330 pace average for that mm. 15 yeah
2: could you I'm just looking back like you've jumped from 32 to 37k as well like your longest run recently. Yeah, yeah. So you've you done well to get through it.
3: Yeah, I've, the the long runs have felt good lately. I think some of those long runs we do, they feel harder than any workout I do during the week with, with the heels involved. And often the start of the run, like the average pace might end up being 4.10 for that long run. But the first K is normally 5.05. The second K is normally 4.50. And so, like that, the average isn't a great reflection of how hard you you tend to run for most of it. Um, and so the those hilly long runs really prepare you for for intensity during long workouts. I think, mm-hmm. um, like you would know, Croaks, going up a hill at the thirty k mark or the thirty two k mark of your long run is like doing an interval in the middle of a long run.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, it's what I said when I was in Wagga that long run, like I was running at a what, sub sub four minute K's for like 36 K on the flat, didn't need any nutrition, didn't feel like my legs were banged up. Whereas two hours over the hills, probably 20 seconds a K slower feels more like a marathon feels more like marathon Well, how I feel at the end of towards the end of a marathon than what that hard run on the flat did. Yeah, yeah so it definitely prepares you well for the for the marathon those
3: hills. And that's, that is where I think the secret lies. And, and I don't think we've ever sort of um, argued that, have we, on this, on this show. Like this, the secret is in Sunday long runs in the hills pushing the pace a bit. And all the great marathoners have, have done that. I think um, we've spoken
0: about it a fair bit in three episodes. Yeah,
3: but, but, but I think like it prepares you for this period. Mm-hmm. So that's probably the best takeaway. Is you can go into these workouts prepared, uh, and you you like you can condition to it. And so I can do this thirty-seven k and wake up the next day and actually feel much better than if I did thirty-seven k easy on the hills. It's um, the same. It's the same moves. With I
0: get I like to get a lot of my athletes in that pre-marathon period to do some like thirty to forty minute sessions over hills, where you know time's really irrelevant, but it's just building that strength so that when they get onto the flat. Although they're probably running for an extra 15, 20 minutes, it almost feels easier than some of those forty-minute sessions over the hills.
3: Yeah, yeah. This is this. Um, like, there are no secrets, but this is close to a secret. Brady, I know you feel left out.
2: No, I'm just <laughs> looking. I'm just looking back at that. Remember that hilly loop I was running on a bit before Gold Coast? Just trying to yeah. see how many meters that and stuff was. Yeah, I 100% get it. It's doing the work to be able to do the work.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. I, um, this I was talking actually about this to Ali, and I'm like, I think we should have our guys running at least thirty k, three weeks out of four of the month, um, and those three weeks out of four should also be over hills, and, and and, I'm Sean sure Crichton was like, what every, every week for a year over thirty five or something. I reckon that was one of his. Um, yeah, we we'll in two and
2: a anyway. half hours, not two hours anymore.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So become
2: accustomed to just doing two hour long runs. Yeah.
3: Exactly. That's that's exactly right. Two and a half versus two, because that last thirty minutes, that's when the adaptions happen.
2: Yeah, and especially if you're doing Friday workouts, like there's no reason why you couldn't be going a bit longer on a Sunday mm-hmm. andor making it a bit steadier.
3: Yeah, Yeah, and if you're doing 140, 160K mm-hmm. a week, you should be doing to, like 32 to 35K long runs, yeah. maybe more. Like, yeah. there's no reason you should be at 26, 28 with that sort of mileage.
2: Yeah, not just 10 weeks out from the marathon start doing that. Yeah. Imagine doing yeah. it for, yeah, imagine doing it for 40 of the 52 weeks.
0: Yeah. Well, before my heart stuff, I wanted to bring in like a month month cycle where I would have one long run over heels, but just time on feet. So like two and a half hours, I'd have one run that was a fast finish. So maybe like the last 5K at sort of closer to marathon sort of pace. And then I'd have one steady state run where I might run for like 90 minutes to an hour 40 at like that 335, 340s. And then I'd probably have like a, a, an easier Sunday where I feel like you just cover all bases in that month in terms of just – pretty good sort of marathon specific stuff without really you know getting too close to the fire
3: yeah yeah, yeah. yeah I, I like to keep to keep a steady hilly long run in the build even for those like six seven weeks out from a race for sure
2: give us a life update croaks what have you been doing uh Counting down the days yeah, so had today, um, oh, I
0: spoke to like, what, five people from the hospital all via like um, like well, their equivalent of Zoom. So like a nurse and an anesthetist, uh, some, a cardiologist and then an electrophysiologist gave me a call as well this afternoon just going through like what to expect, um, you know, all the risks like there's just there will just so many risks that you sort of just switch off after a while like there's a risk of this risk of that and it's like yeah it's low um are you ha- still happy to go through with the procedure and i'm like yeah i am so um yeah not too much to report um viv's uh, viv's wanting us to get my will in order <laughs> so not he sure whether that's, a, whether that's a good sign um but now looking forward to going down and getting it done and um yeah hopefully yeah, get back jogging at some point. Not sure when that'll be. Yeah, yeah.
2: don't need to rush that.
0: When no. is it again? Next Which Monday? Monday. Next Monday.
3: Next Monday, yeah. Yes, yeah, right. so I'm
0: driving down Sunday uh, with Viv and the kids are staying here with um, Viv's parents and then, yeah, i got to be at the hospital at like 7 a.m. on Monday and then uh, depending on what happens, um, I'll either be released like late on Monday or um, have to stay in overnight and then get released on on Tuesday,
2: pretty efficient, yep. isn't it? Yeah, it's Come been out, good. Come out the same day.
0: Yeah. So um, and then they said I can't, I think, drive for three days. Uh, I asked the, I asked the guy today, um, in terms of how long afterwards until I could start running, and he said, well, the where they go in through the groin, like generally two weeks for that to sort of fully heal and like no lifting and stuff like that. Um, but then he said, look, from the heart point of view, like we are going in and we are like burning off part of like the heart. So, you know, you are going to get more sort of scarring. So he seemed to think it was like, you know, another month or something like month or two. But, um, yeah, it, it obviously also depends on what they find when they go in. So yeah. they're, they're probably, those questions will probably be answered after I come out of surgery.
2: Knock over surgery first before worrying about when you can do a long run. Yeah,
0: yeah. I've been pretty patient, though. It's been, uh, what, it's been five weeks now, I think, since I actually had a run. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah that's good. Yeah. I'll whistle through this week, fellas. Just a pretty basic week at my end. 70 minutes on Monday. Actually, I run with your mate, Moose, Sebastian um, from down your way. You know Sebastian Seb- Kent? Kent?
3: Yeah, yeah. Seb- um, was, his dad coached me at footy.
2: Yeah, he was, we were talking a lot about footy, actually. He's good for a chat. talking about some parenting stuff because he's got a young daughter talking about local footy he was up uh, holiday in in Echuca Moama so met up with him
3: holiday in Echuca Moama yeah
2: tourist town Moose where else would you rather be Um, it's
3: still crazy to think that's a thing
2: should have seen here over the weekend there was this massive like winter blues festival just like thousands of people in town couldn't get a park anywhere anyway (laughs) should have taken some video for you did 70 minutes at 421 so that was good to have some company uh, Tuesday, I was kind of, I thought I was ready for a workout, but I just wanted to give it an extra day. So i um, still a bit tender in the hammies off the back of Bunderer. So I just did 20K at 423 pace. And then Wednesday, I did did, a, did do a workout. Uh, my watch went flat halfway through it though. So I did five by five minutes. My watch died, I think in the third, no, the fourth rep, but I, went, I was doing an out and back one. So I knew roughly where I had to stop. And then... I could still see time a day on my watch. So then I just waited for the next minute to tick over after I'd stopped and then did another five minutes. And it was quite good doing a workout where you couldn't see any pace. I'm just like, this is threshold. Let's just do the workout and then what it is, who knows. But it's all good. First three were kind of at about 3.15 pace though. Pretty um, foggy, dark. This was the day I went to Melbourne and back with the kids to the Royal Children's Hospital. So had to kind of get done and home by... I think 7.30, we're out the door at 8 a.m. So, big date. Kid's allergic to eggs, peanuts, bananas. That's, oh. that's Olivia, those three. And Hudson's still allergic to peanuts and garden peas. So, we've got a couple of epic Garden pens. peas? Yeah, he's allergic to garden peas and peanuts.
3: What? So, I've never heard of
2: someone being allergic to garden peas. Yeah, no, neither did I until even like the lady testing him. I remember last year when she first did it, she couldn't believe it either. Um, so yeah, but we have got to take Olivia back to do, she's got to see if she's allergic to baked egg. So like, which hopefully she's not cause baked egg. Um, yeah, that's in a lot of stuff. So what so, do you mean baked egg? Like, so like that, like, you know, egg in like bakery products kind of thing, cakes, oh, breads. Yeah.
3: Um, I oh, said so she's allergic to raw eggs. She's
2: yeah, allergic to raw eggs, eggs so far. And then they do like this four hour procedure where they have like nurses actually in the room and stuff and they kind of see what our limit is with the baked egg i Jesus. think i think actually trying to get a reaction to then yeah um use the epipens i suppose so that was fun fun date um thursday 13k easy at 422s and then i did 10k in the afternoon we got that uh local fun run that i help organize coming up this coming weekend and a part of my course can you guys remember like months ago i was like measuring these courses out and getting them sorted and things like that Anyway, yes. since then uh a p- part of the course has flooded, so I've had to like change the course up so i back measuring courses and making sure they're spot on and stuff. So I did the ten K course after work and it was pretty close, still a bit off. Um Friday morning I did a workout. This was grim, like dark, hammering down rain. Um and just feels like it's the middle of the night, at, like six AM. But did um eight by two minutes at around three oh three, three oh four kind of pace. Off a minute shuffle jog, pretty basic workout. I could have done 10 reps, but this week was all about just like, get it done, don't push it, like still four weeks after a marathon, just you'll want somewhere to go in the next couple of weeks. Um, And then afterwards, you just once you get workouts done in terrible weather, it's just the best feeling. I was just up and about afterwards in the cool down, sun was coming up, Um, that was good. And then Friday afternoon, I ran the 5k course of this fun run, just to make sure that was all good saturday 10k easy at four thirties. and then sunday i did the half marathon course of this fun run um it was 30k in total my run at 407s felt really nice it was good feel um feel reasonably fit which is good have like this market though that i had to run through like you guys have markets in your town like farmers markets and then like mm-hmm. this one's like the carny market you guys got a carny market
0: Mm, don't think so How
3: we have s- like we have public holiday markets like new year's day market and easter market and
2: stuff. yeah this one's like i don't know the, the last sunday saturday of, or sunday of every month or something but it's just like they just sell weird stuff there
3: yeah like fake um hoodies like yeah uh, like in, in the, yeah i yeah. know <laughs> oh, that, that's Data real, <laughs> real like croaks type lookalikes yeah yeah. Yeah.
2: monster energy hats and then but then (laughs) the next stall selling like i don't know like fake jewelry and then the one after that selling Mm -hmm. like dog bowls and then there's some guy like cooking a barbecue selling like bacon and egg rolls for like 10 bucks and Mm -hmm. yeah
3: that's the local like cricket club that does that and um
2: well there was kids from school working the barbie at one of them i'm like these kids are like 10 and i'm like you can't go charge me 10 bucks for a bacon egg roll when there's a kid from school cooking it <laughs> no, we actually do have one of those markets. That's where we got Russell from. Oh, did Hall, you? Hall
0: Markets, yeah, not far from oh, here. Well, they They're sell on like animals. The... Yeah, they have animals there as well. Jeez. Yeah. What is it legal? Yeah, yeah, it's all legal. Okay. It sounds a bit
3: dodgy.
2: Anyway, so here I am running through the middle of the market because it's my half marathon course in like half tights and these like carny salesmen are looking at me like, Why are you running through here, mate? But I had to run on the exact path the race is gonna go on. To just make sure it was right and it's good it's all set up my week was 134k looking forward to building a few layers on that um going forward if you do fancy a fun run into chukamohama though this weekend 10k half marathon 5k come along see some of the cost
3: to run the 10.
2: uh not sure to be honest i should know those let me it's all for charity all money goes directly to um community living and respite services building Houses for people with disability in a Chukamuama, which is kind of cool because you run past, well, if you're a local, I run past these houses now and I'm like, oh, that house wasn't there three or four years ago and we did this fundraiser and now there's a house helping people who need it. What's it cost? I don't know. Oh, here we go. No, nah, it's for the tops. I should have known that. It'd be, it'd be more expensive now because it's the race, of the, the week of the race. But I don't know, 50 bucks maybe? Don't know. You,
3: can't, you don't know off your website.
2: Wow, I'm trying to scroll down now and try and find out. How do I
3: enter them if I don't know how much it costs?
2: Oh, here we go. (laughs) Register for Jono's Run. Just Google. It's called Jono's Run. Just Google Jono's Run 2023. 10 bucks on the day is 80 bucks. 10
3: bucks and it's 80 bucks
2: on the day? No, no. 10K is 80 bucks on the day. Oh, right. 74, early bird was 64. That's for adults. Kids' price is obviously cheaper. I'll put the link in the show notes. Let's thank some Patreon supporters, A eh? Croaks? Who you got?
0: Uh, I've got Ketil Monson from Bergen in Norway. Now, I don't have all of his PBs, but in 2022, he ran 2.36 at Hamburg Marathon, 2.32 in Berlin, and 2.34 in Valencia. Uh, he ran 73.49 at this year's BCM Half Marathon, and he's hoping to break 2 hours 30 this year, either at Berlin or Valencia, and he's a father of three. so. Thanks for your support and um, good luck with either Berlin or Valencia. Not a bad hit list there, is it? Hamburg, Berlin and Valencia.
1: Mm. I was yeah. talking about They're this wealthy, exactly yeah, the other right? day.
2: No, but how easy is it when you live mm. overseas? Imagine yeah. just getting yeah. on a flight instead of like just two hours, Bag you can do Berlin marathon.
0: Yeah, and, and if Berlin's, Berlin's not your day, you can just reload and do Valencia yeah. a couple of months later.
2: As Australians, that's like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity <laughs> to get over there and do that. Yeah, You yeah. could do it all in the in three or four months. Moose, um, yeah.
3: who are you thinking? Yeah, I've got um, Ben Rouse. He's from Ascot Vale in Victoria. He's um, he's got a PB of sixteen thirteen from the twenty twenty three Box Hill Burn, thirty four twenty nine at last year's Zatapec Graded Race, seventy eight forty seven for the half in the twenty twenty two Run Melbourne, and. The, the recent edition of Gold Coast, he ran 248. Um, I'm just trying to do some quick math in my head. I reckon there's a little bit left in the tank for that marathon there. Mm. Yeah, probably got some time up his sleeve. He runs for Essendon. Uh, and what are they, Div 2, Brady?
2: Mm, maybe. They were a powerhouse back in the day. Yeah, they used to go all right back then, didn't they? They did. Do you want me to look up results, Hubboose?
3: Nah, don't do that. You know I'm um, looking up a results hub. <laughs> it's favourite website.
2: <laughs> you want to know any AV results? Let me know, I'll search them.
3: Jeez, didn't I make a funny joke about that the other day about Zaka?
2: Yeah.
3: Good, good, yeah. Geez, I'm funny, aren't I? I
2: did like that, yeah. S then Div 2, sitting 11th at the moment though.
3: Div 2, yeah. Ooh, Div 3 next year.
2: Nah, there's three teams behind him.
3: Yeah, right. Um... Uh, yes, so he's also spent time in Myanmar, which, uh, formerly known as Burma, Burma. Thanks, um, Croaks, for that. No worries. Good on you, Ben.
2: Good geography there. I'm going to thank Nick Peterson from Liverpool in the UK. Power of Ten profile has his PBs as at 16:01 at the 2023 at Christleton 5K, 33:43 at the St. Helens 10K. And seventy five twenty six at their sr four Village half marathon and two forty five at the two thousand twenty three London marathon. So it's the same thing with Ben Moose, low sixteen minute guys running two forty five and two forty eight. I'm just thinking yeah. about our guys on road to um road to Berlin, which we'll talk about. Um, they're both trying to break two forty, and are they that quick for five K?
0: No, bro, yeah, Rob's run like 16.40,
3: 16.50, mm, what's and Jim he's running run? at 2.40. Yeah, I don't know. Jimmy's PB in the five. Doesn't run a lot of fives, that's for sure. Would you say
2: it was 16 low, though? No. Yeah. Mm. So they're doing it the opposite way of these guys. So hopefully these patron supporters are listening to those guys um, on there. We also think that Nick might be a consultant orthopedic surgeon. Jeez. Jesus. Here we go. That's a good <laughs> job title, isn't it? I love that. Well
3: yeah. Might be have I guess there's two ways to look at this. Could be real busy and so doesn't get much time to train. Or still going for the for a, well
2: a guy who hasn't had time to train, sixteen oh one.
3: Yeah, yeah. So maybe he just puts it all into quality over quantity. Can't get the mileage oh, in. Oh
2: yeah, maybe. That's good. Thanks, Nick, Ben, Katil uh, Patrons, you guys got road to Berlin last week. Hope you enjoyed episode number one. I had fun recording with those guys. Could not believe the chemistry mm. fellas.
3: Yeah, wasn't they. it?
2: They were great. Like, yeah,
3: it was very good.
2: And that's why we often put like one of us on the early episodes, just to make sure it stays on the rails and they know what they're doing and stuff. But I could have easily not been there. Mm. They were great, those three fellas. It's about... What's it? Sorry, so I was just going to say, it's it really says a lot about people who work in jobs where you've got to talk to people too. Like, mm. absolutely no offence to some of the elite athletes that we've had on those series and stuff, but they're, the way they interact and communicate, obviously um, doing it so much in their workplaces, it's shone mm. through very mm. heavy then. Yeah,
0: um, and, and I think it also struck a chord with like, because most of our Road 2 series have always been you know the top end you know the people trying to break the 220 or the, the women in the mid 220s and you know we've got a couple of the uh, you know not like not recreational runners Rob Rob would happily be called a recreational runner but it struck a call with those people in that sort of 240 to three hour range or you know the people that are running three hours now that hope to eventually get to breaking 240 and they can see sort of what training people do to do that so it's maybe a little bit more relatable um, which was evident in how many—I don't think we've re- ever received that many positive feed like messages after episode one of a Road two series.
2: Oh no! Got so many, even like on my private DMs. Even today, people are like, "Wow, how did you put these three guys together?" Mm. And I'm just like, "Ah, we just fluked it, but hey, it worked."
3: Yeah, it's it. It, it could be a combination of things. I also reckon they just uh, they got good chemistry from the gun. Mm. So, like, I've seen Jimmy in action with his talking i mean he talks to 50 people a day in the store so he's very good at that um but he can often like get real nerdy with the running which is probably what we need (laughs) and and um yeah i just thought i i was like listening along going geez this is good content here yeah like three long lost brothers yeah (laughs) i just wish brady would shut up a bit and let him talk more
2: (laughs) well i won't be on there again i don't think that's me running done
3: yeah well let's like we'll let croat's Baby is boy, Rob. Get on there. I was hoping you might take him to task a bit, Brady. Like, you know how how you used to do with, with Ed and with Tim?
2: Take him to task. What do you mean?
3: Like, just question them a little bit. Oh, it's Brady, never,
2: Brady never did that.
3: Nah. It's a first oh, it episode. I you. First yeah.
2: episode. Just had to nah. ke- get it smooth. off. Take it off the runway. Get it in the right. air.
3: Jimmy, uh, Jimmy needs to be challenged a little on his training. He was going it's... all right. Croaks, Croaks, you've got to get into him this week. got right. a real, real soft look. Sunday session. You'll have to have a look at it.
0: I'll go through his Strava with a fine-tooth comb. Yeah, good one.
2: <laughs> right, that's on patreon.com forward slash Inside Running Podcast if you'd like to support the show. Uh, there's three levels over there. Get heaps of different benefits depending on what level you're on. It's all documented. Thanks to the amazing Legends though who are over there. To um, you know, Episode 300, we spoke about at the top of the show. Definitely wouldn't have got here without those legends over on Patreon. It's a very small percentage of our listeners who support the show financially to make sure it comes alive each and every week for, um, for the benefit of everyone else. So if you uh, yeah, want to help out those people over on Patreon help us out, that's where you do that.
0: This week's episode of the Inside Running Podcast is proudly sponsored by ASICS. Stability has never felt better than with the Gel Kayano 30. Reimagine Stability. New 4D guidance system provides adaptive and on-demand stability supporting runners in every step of their run. Softer landings. New Pure Gel technology for enhanced shock absorption, softer landings and smoother transitions. More cushioning. New lightweight FF blast plus eco cushioning and an increased four millimeters in stack height means an even more comfortable ride. A lighter footprint for a brighter tomorrow. The Gel Kayano 30's carbon footprint is 14% lower than the industry average, a study conducted by MIT. Visit asics.com or your specialty running store to grab your pair today.
2: Running news, croaks, it's pretty light on, but the big mm-hmm. story early on in the week was uh, Ollie Hoare pulling out of the world champs.
0: Uh, Yeah, so I think all of us found out via his um, Instagram account So I've I've got it written down here what what he wrote. So I think I'll just read it out Um, So he's in st. Moritz at the moment uh, and he was able to get some treatment and an MRI to finger figure out what the discomfort was And the news wasn't great. Uh, I have a small grade one sports hernia and significant swelling in the pubic synthesis um, athletic uh, pubalgia uh, Which means I had two options Uh, first option I could continue to worlds under painkillers to train and compete which would probably make it worse then after try to begin the process of recovery and the possibility of surgery making it a close call to the Olympic trials Uh, second option was shut down my year and focus on the recovery process now and be ready for the Olympic year it's obviously an easy call looking in but it was a hard decision to make for me I had a disappointing worlds last year and this year felt like I could do something special I worked so hard and feel like I couldn't showcase that But that's life and so many athletes go through the same struggle if not worse i'm heading back to boulder tomorrow to start that process thank you to dathan and the oac team for their support so um yeah it's a bit of a blow yeah big
2: name like that certainly is Mm. and especially like the last world champs um would have been good to see like because he bowed out didn't he of the heats and then went and won the gold at the con games yeah, and I know yeah. he kind of got the redemption for the Com games, but I'm sure that still would have been on Ollie's mind to do it on the world world champs kind of stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: and like <laughs> it hasn't been it hasn't been a great like he's been running. Oh, it's funny like you say he hasn't had a great season, but he broke the Australian record. But I think for him, and I think I mentioned a few weeks ago, like last year, I felt like he was the guy that was potentially like the closest to Jakob in all of the races, or at least the one that was challenging him the most. Whereas this year I feel like he sort of, uh, although he's run faster, he's probably dropped back a little bit because most of his training group were beating him. Um, so, you know, last year I would have put him as like second or third in the world, whereas this year i probably got him more like sixth or seventh, which, you know, I don't know how long he's been running through this pain for. And that that might have been a factor.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That would have been, I'd say. Um, So that opens the door, though, for some of our other 1,500-meter guys on the rankings to possibly get a start. I know you've got a whole lot of Mm -hmm. uh, people who have qualified for world champs here written down, but we might start with the men's 1,500. So Stewie's obviously a lock, and Adam Spencer, because they've got the time. Yeah. Myers has got the time, and Ollie, of course, but they're not going. Mm -hmm. So does that open the door for Matt Ramsden? Potentially,
0: so the 1500 has 56 spots, and so Stewie's ranked 13th uh, on time, and Adam Spencer's ranked 21st on time. Ollie was ninth, um, but he's obviously a scratching, and and all of this comes from the World Athletics Road to Budapest site, which has where everybody's ranked. Um, Sorry, so, Croats. Yeah. Do you do
3: you mean on time or do you mean on points? No, so, I'm. Because they've got
0: the qualifier. Yeah, because they've got the qualifying oh, yeah, time. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so Ollie at the moment's ranked ninth on that road to Budapest um, table. So he, although he's scratched, he's still in as a, basically as being selected in a way. So he's ninth, Stewie's 13th, Spencer's 21st, Myers has also got the time. Now, Ramsden's about five spots outside the quota on rankings points. So the only way he can get in now is if people pull out. So obviously Ollie is one person that's going to pull out and then he would probably need another four people from various countries to um, not take their spot for him to then move up into that 56.
2: And he ran 3.39 overnight in Luxembourg, didn't he?
0: Yeah, which probably won't help him.
2: Yeah, Yeah. ran 3.35 his season best. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that'd be interesting waiting time for him. Other events, did you want to go from the top? Like the men's, we'll do the men's first as we're on the 1500. So, Joey yep. Deng, Pete Bowl, um, and then those two are a lock.
0: Yeah, they're a lock because they've both got the time. So, Deng's 13th, um, Bowl's 17th. Uh, once again, the quota for the 800 is 56. And Riley McGowan, as of like 8 a.m. this morning, um, was 52nd on the rankings, and they take 56 now the qualification period ended yesterday um but i'm just not sure whether because uh, there was a few races around the world yesterday i'm not sure whether they have been factored into this um road to budapest on the world athletics website but at the moment um riley mcgowan is the third aussie and he's inside the quota um in 52nd place
2: the australian champion yeah uh, the 5K, they've taken 42. Stewie's got the time. Morgan McDonald's mm-hmm. ranked 40th. And Kyle Robinson is five spots outside the quota. Yeah. So a bit of a similar kind of wait and see for him to see yeah, if he, he slides up with people pulling out in front of him.
0: Yeah, because you've got to remember, um, for example, someone like Geordie Beamish. So Geordie Beamish is inside the quota for the 5K, but he might focus on the steeple and not do the 5k at world which would then open up one spot in the quota for the people that have missed out so um kai would be you know hoping that a few of those that are in the 42 um decide not to you know run it like for example stewie stewie might focus on the 1500 and not run the 5k which would open up another spot Mm -hmm. in that 42. how's that
3: process how's that process look like um for say Kyle Robinson, seems like it'd be a pretty, like, uh, like convoluted sort of process of someone pulling out, uh, then them having to to offer that spot to the federation, who decides if they go or not. Like, when does all this happen?
0: Yeah, well, I'm guessing within this week. I'm guessing what happens is the qualification period ended uh, like yesterday people would have a certain amount of time to basically either accept the spot or not, and then they would get rolled down from there.
2: Yep. And his run quicker than Morgan. Oh no, so Morgan ran that time earlier, like when it just opened, didn't he?
0: Um. Yeah, We ran 13, was it 13.19 last year?
2: Yeah, so. Yeah. And Kai's ran 13.20 this year, and I think Morgan's ran 13.24, 13.25 recently. Yeah. So within that's the period, why you need, you yeah. need a few, don't you? But this is, the, and this is where one, this is one of the issues
0: with the um, quota or the point system is that somebody who's actually run slower than somebody else could make worlds. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, so, so for example, if we look at the, um, if we look at the women's uh, like eight hundred, um, that Carly Thomas, we, we we reported a couple of weeks yeah, back that yeah. she had broken two minutes. Now she's, she's not even in the top, fo- uh, what, top five, um, even though she's run faster than some of the other girls because she hasn't got enough points accrued and she hasn't run fast enough to be an automatic on the time.
2: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Kai, did his World Cross count for points? Not for the 5K. I yeah. Okay. Yeah. That would have been handy. Finish off the men's here. So, in the 10K, we've got no Aussies, although Tim Vincent, Mm -hmm. because he's the Oceania champion, is ranked 27th and they take 27. But Athletics Australia have in their policy that they will not take people as the area champion. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Because Christian brought this to our attention because the guy in 28th is a Norwegian guy and that he was wondering if Tim Vincent would go. And then we had to look it up. Tim had no idea about this until I showed hmm. him. I'm like, "Tim, you're going to the world champs. You ranked 27th from 27." He was stoked. Hmm. And then we had to look at the uh, policy and let him know that Athletes Australia have a cause in there um, to not take him.
3: Yeah. So we. This out. is and and I mean, there's probably there'll be people who look at this and go, "Oh, why wouldn't we take him? Like he's qualified." But it's. He he's what's his PB? Twenty eight. Well, I think he, that
2: result he ran like you know twenty nine fifty at Townsville. Yeah, yeah.
3: So yeah. it's not realistic. Oh, I mean, you've got the UK Athletics who won't send people who have been invited or qualified themselves. Um, they're deciding not to send them, um, even ones that like would offer to pay themselves. Uh, so like. Do we feel the same about this? Like with Tim qualifying? Like, is there, do we agree with the criteria that they can decide whether they send them or not as area champion? I
2: agree with this one Athletics Australia not sending Tim.
3: But yeah. It, yeah, okay. But it, like, why? Because
2: it, the times he's running for 10K and this performance are not world class.
3: So what happened if Brett Robinson ran this? Yep. Or or if Pat Tannen came over and won it, what yep. about that?
2: But he'd also have some twenty seven twenties next to his name.
3: Oh, but No, so you're saying it's or person
2: got, dependent. And he's got runs on the board as an Olympic. You know, he pretty much was in the lead pack till lap to go. But but didn't, but you know what it is? If we had Jack Rayner, so if Jack had
0: run the qualifying time for the 10k or was 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 that
2: outside of the time period was it because he has hasn't he yes no so jack's so jack's not
0: in the quota so jack obviously yeah so it must be outside the the period for for jack i'll just bring up the men's 10k now here so Mm -hmm. if jack was inside the quota of 27 either based on points or um you know hitting the time i don't think tim would actually be 27th I think what World Athletics, and I'm not 100% sure of this, but what I'm thinking is if there's no Oceania athlete inside the quota to make it a World Championship, you need to have at least one athlete from like, you know, or at least offer a spot to one athlete from every area around the world. Whereas they wouldn't have to offer Tim the spot if Jack was or anybody else was inside the quota on their own merit based on time or points because they would have had an Oceana athlete, you know, competing anyway. Gotcha. Does that make
2: sense? Yeah. Yep. She's I'm glad you know about this stuff, Crokes, because you're doing a good job of explaining it here. Yeah. yeah, I'm <laughs>
0: just I'm just guessing that's that's the case. But Jack's definitely not inside that top 27. Um,
2: yeah. Okay. <laughs> Steeple, Matt Clark. they are taken 36. He's in 35th. Bucks is five spots outside the quota. So he's waiting on potentially people pulling out as well. Mm-hmm. Which steeple yep. you wouldn't think many people pull out, would you? Like it's a very specialised event.
3: Yeah, I don't reckon people pull out of that. Mm, that's why they do steeple to get to these championships.
0: Yeah, and that's why I'm not sure. So Bucks ran a two k steeple overnight or over the weekend, and it was the second fastest time by an Aussie. Mm. Now I'm not sure whether he gets points in a two k steeple for for worlds. Um, and I'm also not sure whether those points, if they do count, have been factored into this road to Budapest uh, website just yet, because it happened so you know just recently.
2: Yeah, that's the men's. The women's. Yeah, talked about the eight. All kind of have. Cat Bissett's got the time. Abby colwell has got the time. Ali Sanford in 45th. They're taking 56, and then Tess Curse Up Cole. Yeah, two spots outside so she'd be 58th but you yep. know if abby caldwell doesn't want to go yeah but we'll get wants we'll to, get to that. 1500 yeah
0: yeah but um but the issue here is as i oh. said before so so carly thomas has run faster than both sanford and cursop cole but she's like no chance of making world champs because she doesn't have enough points and her 159 wasn't fast enough to be an automatic qualifier But the issue with Abby is if we go down to the 1500, we've got Lyndon Hall Hall qualified on time in seventh place. We've got um, Jess Hull in eighth. We've got Georgia Griffith in 17th on time. And Corwell is obviously in the 1500 on time, but she's run 0.29 slower than Georgia Griffith. So if AA decide to basically send the three fastest, then Abby Corwell doesn't doesn't get selected in the 1500 and then maybe has to go for that eight
2: yeah yeah mm. Wow! I thought she was almost a lock mm. what about her mile split wasn't that fast the uh yeah but split it's split of the mile does that count
0: well it, w- it would but it's obviously still not fast still not enough fast. to have got her above georgia griffith in 15 um, times
2: jeez so competitive hmm Yep. Georgia griffith has gone a bit under the radar, too, I reckon. That's a surprise to me. 5K, Jess Hale, she's in 15th of 42. Rose Davies, 27 of 42. And um, remind me of this person. Lauren. Name, Lauren Ryan, uh, 35th of 42. So that's good. She makes a team mm-hmm. What's her PB? I like 1509.
3: Yeah.
0: Maybe 15. Yeah, 15.9, 15.10. Hang on, I'll just Spotted, like, bring it up. Now.
3: She's run a few 3Ks lately, and that looks like that's where she got some points from, maybe.
0: I'll have a look at how she got her points uh, on this website. It's, um, uh, so she's got three 5K results here. She's got a 1524, a 1517, and a 1511. Um, yeah, and if, assistant. yeah, and so she got, like, an additional 90. So, no, you know how you get, like, place scores depending on the level of the competition? So her um what was it the LA Grand Prix that she ran uh fifteen eleven on the twenty sixth of May, she finished second and got an additional like ninety points. Um, that is how just,
3: you that's how you make teams now.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then she got like uh when was it? It was like a C a C category meet where she finished fourth running fifteen seventeen. She got an additional uh thirty points. Um yeah, so you get, you get these like additional points. So you obviously get like the point score for what time you run, but then you get an additional amount based yeah. on where you finish and what level the meet
3: is. Just comes down to season planning, mm-hmm. knowing who, what races are being paced at what, uh, who's running them so you can finish higher in these – to get higher place scores. Yeah. You need like the perfect storm of, of a good field that you can beat but uh, so, so that it ensures a faster time, but you don't come tenth and get no place score. Yeah,
0: and, and and this is relevant, yeah, for those people that like aren't aren't hitting the
3: standard. Yeah, yeah. there'll be like a whole sub, a sub um, series of races, perfect for these people.
2: So then the ten k no one Leanne's highest ranked, but when we had her on the show, she was talking about um, the whole cross country system to try to get points that way. Over in Europe, that she Europeans she couldn't access, yeah. and then there's girls that are way slower than her, higher ranked. So yeah, yeah, the, that's a bit opposite. of a mess.
3: It looks like that there was like a, a European cross country season that was basically a gateway to the World 10K Championships. Yeah, um, and and no one really probably knew about it, and it was only kind of accessible to Europeans because it's in Europe. And so because
2: the times are so quick too. Yeah. No coincidence, no Australian men or women who will represent Australia mm. in the 10,000 metres. And then the steeple for the women, Amy Cashin. She's in 27th of 36. Um, Cara Fair and Ryan is 30 of 36. And Emily Erbacker is 34 of 36. So will send those same three that we sent to the world champs last year mm. and Olympics. Maybe. Close. Throwing statements mm. around. It's an interesting team on the whole of it. Like I guess we've got the marathoners who have we've, they've been named a while ago. We Bruce should say are... this, is,
0: this is not the team. Sorry, this, this is isn't just our, This is our speculation of how it, how, it might, team. how it might play out. Um, but just looking at the 10K is interesting for the women because the whole chat we're having about Tim Vincent, I don't see any Oceana athlete in the top, like, 27 or 28 quota. Who won um, it last
2: year? Uh. Remember the year Ali and Sinead went up to do it Moose, Townsville?
3: Yeah, I do. They actually ran pretty fast that day.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so they haven't
0: offered like... It doesn't look like, you know, the 27th spot or 28th spot with like qualified because you're the Oceania champion has been put in the women's one. So I'm not sure. So maybe my theory about
2: that's incorrect. I've got no recognition of anyone even doing it. Sorry if you're the person who did it. (laughs) I just can't remember. Anyway... We'll see what happens when... They, they should name that team pretty quick then if all of these points order get sorted. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other, last, last bit of news here was our man, Calvin Kiptum. He's going to run Chicago Marathon because the elite fields were announced for Chicago. Um, I kind of predicted this, didn't I? That he wouldn't go to Berlin with Kipchoge. He'd go somewhere. I thought he'd maybe go to Valencia again.
0: I thought like, he'd go back to Valencia.
2: Yeah, maybe. Uh, what's his name? Oh, no, Christian. Christian made a call. Yeah, yeah. He um, good, Christian. Chapter Guy. Chapter Guy, Mm. they'll make that one all about... I I don't like this, that every major or big city marathon is a one-man kind of one or two-man show, and you can't all rock up to the same one.
1: I guess that's Olympics and world
2: champs. But Christian was like, no, no, he won't run it because it's an NN have a relationship with that one. And he's, he's not an NN athlete. So...
0: Yeah. Um there's a these are good fields. Like oh, Chicago yeah. sh- sh- Chicago sometimes, you know, goes under the radar a little bit as a world marathon major, but you know, you got Kiptum, you got Bashir Abdi, um, Benson Kip um, yeah, Galen Rupps having a having another go, and then yeah, like in the women's, you got um Ruth Chetangedic, um Jocelyn Chep Gosgai, Genzebi debarba Emily Sisson. Safan, Safan. Hassan. yeah, yeah, like that's, yeah, um, Emma Bates, like it's, yeah, loaded.
2: It is, isn't it? Molly Seidel, past guest. Yeah. Your mate, Moose?
3: Past <laughs> guest, that's good. She was. Good for me. Yeah. yeah. but I just can't remember it.
2: Um, so that was the big news out of Chicago, and that's all I've got for listener, or not listener, for, um, can you tell I've had hardly any sleep tonight, fellas? My daughter was How you up going from, good, mate? Oh, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. last night. She was up for. I wasn't good. I'm all over the shop. Anyway, was she sick? No, she just wouldn't sleep. I don't know what was going on. Anyway, what do you
3: mean? she just like
2: she just woke up crying at 10 a at 10 p.m. and we didn't get her down until 2 a.m.
3: Oh, that's a lot of time.
2: Carly did the first shift, then she kept mm-hmm. crying. I did the second shift, and then. Uh, maybe Carly again then maybe yeah it was a shock night. not anyway the Keanu 30 shoe review that's where we're moving to next this is going to be exciting because this shoe moose had a bit of hype coming out of it well on, on the yeah. billboards everywhere in Achuka, Moama did I tell you about this no. ran past our two sports stores that we've got they've got the big posters of it out the front
3: is that the billboard well not the it, billboard the, like you know like you're talking about their shop front yeah shop
2: front window thing yeah yeah yeah. yeah
3: so yeah. ASICs are paid for the shop front yeah. that's how that works but
2: they go big with this shoe don't they it's well, the, this is
3: the, the Kayana. This is 30 years old, this shoe. This has been around for that amount of time <laughs> 30 years. It's the 30th version. But it's the like, has never change much. They would tweak an overlay here or there. They'd change where the gel sits. They'd sort of talk about it being a breakthrough in shoe technology every year. But this is. This is the first time we've seen it significantly change in the whole history of me wearing shoes. Um, So since like 2008, I walked into a store. Actually, it was 2007, early. Walked into an athlete's foot uh, in Geelong, said I need to get fit, I need some new shoes, and stood on the thing in the middle. They go, this is your shoe right here, 260 bucks. And I'm like, that must be good. 260 bucks. I am getting the best fucking shoe ever right here. Uh, and everyone's had a Keano, right? Have yeah. you both running a Keanu?
2: Same experience. I've had a Keanu. the most expensive one.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everyone's had a Keanu. It's, it's it's, an Australian thing, though. It's, like, so big in Australia. It's got, we've just got this, like, culture of Keanu. it's Because it's, we have a lot of small towns, sports powers and that in the small towns. And it's an easy win for a sports power to sell a Keanu to the local runner because um, why not? It's expensive. It must be good. And it's got support in it. That was quotation marks. Uh, and it's like one of their more cushioned shoes. And again, cushioning. Who doesn't want that? So it's an easy its an easy win. And we used to enjoy uh, in the store sort of having someone in a Keanu come in and we asked them why they got that. And no one really knew why they got it. Uh, some people liked it. Others didn't like it. Some people it was good for, like functionally, and others it was terrible for. But now, like this is the first Kayano's that I've actually liked to run in. Like that, I put this on tonight and went for a run in it. And I'm like, this is a this is the shoe that I chose out of my entire shoe um, quiver to to run in. So I was like. I'm pretty stoked with this shoe. There's some significant differences from the the past models. Did you just want me to run through some specs to begin with?
2: Yeah, that'd be good.
3: So it's still not a light shoe. It's 303 grams. Um, That's a men's nine. So certainly not a lightweight. And it never should be. This is like a a supportive training shoe uh, for a lot of the population. And our average population is overweight. So we should be making shoes for the average sort of punter rather than the elite runner. This is a shoe that will cover that, uh, heel height, 40 mil, four foot height, 30 mil. So what that basically it's, it's stacked. It's got the same sort of stack height as a Vaporfly at the back up front, 30 mil. Um, that's a 10 mil drop. It's pretty conservative, but it has come down over the years from like 12 mil. Some of the ladies Kayano's even used to be higher, I believe. Uh, so, they're the sort of specs um the major difference to previous versions is the the previous versions used to have support in the form of a medial post so classic asics was you turn the shoe and look at the inside of it and if it had a big block block of gray foam under the arch then that was medial support and the idea was that it would control a foot that um pronates so rolls in and um the, shoe, like the idea was that that high-density foam that sat underneath the uh, medial arch and the, the, the heel, it doesn't compress. And so when it gets force applied to it, it won't soften and the foot gets almost like a little correction back in that point because the rest of the foam around the foot is soft, especially on the outside. Um, now, there's a lot of – like you guys have run in the counter light, haven't you? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so the Kayano Light was almost like a, a test case, a guinea pig for this type of new concept that they've got, where they offer support through the geometry of the shoe rather than adding in another, a, a different density foam. So the, if you look at the shoe, I'm not sure if you boys have it in front of you, but it's got like a convex cutout on the lateral sidewall of the midsole, and on the medial sidewall, it's a convex shape where it's almost like a bubble. And so the concave compresses and the convex that that's like a lot of resistance to, um, load just through the shape of the foam. So it's quite flared out there. It's the same as the counter light was. Um, but that's how it get, get, gives its support. It also has like a few other elements. Like if you look underneath a big, um, big medial platform, like they have a thing called a guidance line and, um, the guidance line is heavy to the lateral side, which means a much bigger medial like uh, slab of rubber, I guess, um, which provides resistance to a foot that might want to pronate a little more as well.
2: So will they still continue the the light versions of these shoes?
3: No, they won't in the future. Okay. So the, like the a light a versions test. Will, will phase out, yeah. And and this shoe here is much more cushioned than the Canon light. It is heavier, but that's like training shoes i don't think people get too caught up in in weight unless they want a real poppy one for me this like when i put my foot in this shoe compared to a lot of the other support shoes i i felt like a noticeable cor- correction almost <laughs> in my, like i was i had a lot of resistance under the inside of my foot and heel and my foot pronates a fair bit and when i went for a run i thought geez, this is really alter- altering my mechanics here uh, which is the exact point of the shoe for that sort of athlete. Um, and I, I I love that it's got more juice under the forefoot now, like a real thick padded area where in the past a lot of it, this shoe has also always been really slappy to me, um, whereas now it's got a bit of a rocker, kind of like how the Nimbus 25 feels, um, but just a lot more stable and a bit firmer than that shoe. So it's got got a really wide, heel and so when i'm beat up when i'm on a like super recovery run i'm running five minute k's i often have a like a much slower cadence and i land a bit more through my rear foot and this it basically just gives me like this insurance policy back there where i can put my foot down in pretty much any angle and i know i've got coverage where you can't do that with a lot of these new age super trainers you just they're they're pretty unforgiving like if you miss the mark you're going to sink into the wrong part of the shoe or it's going to feel really unstable whereas this shoe it's almost like running for dummies that's kind of how i feel about it you can put the shoe you put your foot down at any point and it just looks after you like if i was running in the dark i would want a shoe that felt like this under my foot
2: yeah, right. So you said you wore it today. Will you wear it more for your double run than your yep. bigger run in the morning?
3: Absolutely. This, this shoe will feel heavy and cumbersome to me the longer the run goes. Um, and that by, when I say that, the longer the run goes, the better I start feeling, the more the pace increases. And so that's where I want a shoe that does feel a little more lively and I don't have a big slab of foam under my foot, so yeah i I put this on for thirty to forty minute runs, um, and I run at a bit slower pace. but for some people who who don't run twice a day and they their whole their whole purpose in running is to to, to build mileage and do a lot of easy jogging then this could potentially work for them, especially if they have that um, those sort of mechanics that enjoy a bit more support there's certainly people out there that appreciate. Uh, a shoe that feels more stable to them underfoot, and and if they do, are a little more mobile and they get a lot of medial deviation through that sort of ankle joint, then this shoe can 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 help, I guess, stabilise that.
2: Yeah, first thing I thought about it was like, where does this fit? Like I've because I've only been doing single runs, the super blast has been getting a smashing at my place because I'm just like one run a day. That's the shoe of choice. Love that shoe a bit. So then when this arrived, I'm like, oh. Like, I don't want to wear it for a long run first start, So I kind of have introduced it in those like 50 to 60 minute kind of easy jogs. And I just think it's a, it's just a workhorse. Like it's not yeah. super sexy, spongy, um, up and about like I feel with the Super Blast or the Glide Ride. This is like, this is just a workhorse. I'm putting it on the day after workouts or as you said, that second run of the day. And it's just a not think twice about it, put it on your feet. You know, you're going to be right.
3: But, but this, you're too light for this shoe. You're too light. You're too poppy. Um, you've never really run in support shoes. So this is not a shoe for you. Okay. And, and, and that's where like having shoes sent out to us, um, we love it, of course, and it's great for testing. But this shoe is pretty niche in terms of who it's going to suit. And so you, I don't think it suits. And so I can't imagine that you would love this. Yeah, Whereas you called you put, that early. yeah. Yeah, what,
2: well, I don't, I, I, don't, I don't, like, I'm not absolutely frothing it like I'm the Super Blast, but it's, like, I respect it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I can see its place, but it's not yeah. my, if i got that sitting next to the ASIC Super Blast, I'm going for the Super Blast.
3: Yeah, but do you wear Super Blast for your, like, 30-minute jogs as well?
2: No, not really, because I almost want to, like, save it.
3: Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. But you would, if, if you had an endless supply, you would wear that for your, like, five-minute pace, real cruisy... Monday mornings?
2: No, because I think it's important to mix it up a bit and not, like, overdo it in those super shoes, like super jogging shoes, because then I think you become accustomed to them. So I I like having, like, I don't know, yeah, the term workhorse shoes on the go to be then when you put the other ones on, you feel, like, good. Well, not good, but you just feel that difference.
3: It's good to mix up shoes Mm. for your injury, like, reducing injury, so... Yeah, it's smart to do that.
2: And I still do a lot in the. Um, even today, I was in the Asics Keanu Light. Yeah, like that was yeah same thing. Like it's not something I get super excited about and tell heaps of people to go buy it. It's more just like a, just a consistent thing in my rotation.
3: Yeah, it's nice to have different options. Yeah, depending on like, depending on how you feel too. Like I like to put on shoes when I'm feeling good. That yeah. match my, match my mood. Yep. Um, if I'm feeling like beat up, sore, tired, not motivated, I need a shoe that will accommodate that type of running for me.
2: Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. What's it retail at, Moose?
3: It's two eighty. So
2: I reckon it's cheap, isn't it, for a Keanu? <laughs> nah, it's but gone wasn't up it always 10 the, but wasn't always the most expensive thing on the wall. And now there'd be heaps more things more expensive than it.
3: Yeah, that's true. That is that's a good point with that. The recent super foam introductions to the market, then this like the Cayano, it, it it's been overtaken in that regard, like by the ALF flies and the Super Blast, Super Comp train. There's all the, basically the 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 PIBA foams are expensive. Carbon plates they're chucking expensive, um, whereas it used to be ten years ago, like the Cayano was the most expensive thing out there.
2: Yeah, massive thanks to ASICS for supporting uh, this week's episode. If you're wondering why I didn't ask Croaks on his thoughts because he hasn't run a step in it.
0: Yeah, I, these arrived about the same time that I got told I should stop running.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you walked in them though?
0: No, I haven't.
2: You'll get some Ks in them. Don't worry about that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm going to have plenty of shoes to run in when I get back.
2: <laughs> yeah, stacked up at the door. Uh, listen to Question Croaks. What have we got this week?
0: uh yep so any training principles or data used by recreational runners that you think are overrated and that question comes in from matthew Perotta. good Mm. question great question
2: Mm. i like this do you want to go Mm. first moose you've got some things written down
3: oh yeah i just chuck some stuff down because we see a lot of rec runners come through the store and um they might sell us things like we just sometimes i'll chat with them about it sometimes i'll just sort of let it go through the keeper but for me, like the 10% rule, that's, that, that's not applicable to everybody. And that's probably the main training principle out there in terms of how do I increase my running. And people just go, oh, 10%. But who came up with the 10% rule? And what does 10% look like? Most people just go 10% of mileage. So like one week you run 20K, and then guess what you run the next week? 22K next week after 44, 45K, and the week after, 49K. And that, it, depending on what sort of athlete you are and where you are at your running journey, that can be totally um, like way too much, or it can be not enough at all. And it doesn't take into account what you're doing within your week either. So if you're running, if you're going from 20, let's say 30, if you run to 30K and then the next week you do 33K, but you've also changed your structure to do workouts, you're going to run on some hills, you're actually doing a long run this week, then that's enough load. Perhaps you don't want to increase your mileage at all that week. But if it's just simple jogging, then maybe you could go from 30K to 40K and you can make this crazy bloody 30% jump in training. And look, it's, it, I, just, I feel like too, too many people buy into the 10% thing. Mm-hmm. that's my good first memory. one i'll let you guys go i might come back with some others
2: oh okay like pace i think a lot of people get like massively caught up on what their average k pace is for their easy jogging um and that's like the be all and end all so if it's like, and i follow people on strava that like jog similar pace to me that would be 10 minutes slower over um 10k but it's a massive thing for them to average a good pace on their jogging and yeah just like, that's a big one too that's a big one. metric that people use and it's just like what pays my Aborigin? And yep. i'm like yeah don't worry if it's just an easy job just listen to your body go and stop watch face so that's one i jotted down i've got another one croaks but what do you got oh
0: i had one that moose has already written down here moose has got here garmin estimators now there's there's oh, a yeah. lot in there's a lot in the garmin range the one i was originally thinking of was um when people start talking about how their VO2 max has gone up, like their yeah. watch tells them about their VO2 max. And um, often this data is coming from like a wrist heart rate, which is not accurate anyway. And whenever whenever I see a screenshot of somebody talking about their VO2 max from their watch, I'm just like, well, don't even bother. Like, <laughs> total, total
3: shit. <laughs> the a yeah,
0: like,
2: training load increase or something like that, isn't it?
0: Well, Thanks. Yeah. race race predictors in terms of what like yeah. what shape I've you're currently in yeah
2: what about um, the day after i ran 220 at the gold coast my prediction <laughs> told me i was in 224 shape
3: and yeah I do- well you and probably was you probably were that day i bet you well, couldn't no, even run I, 224 that day yeah but
2: then it said i was like in thirteen forty five pace as well it always yeah. like gives me great five ten k half and then just kills me on the marathon
0: but what i find was, that that's i find that these these garmin um what are they like, uh, I can't remember. can't think of the word. Uh, anyway, like, uh, no, I can't get it. But these things that people get caught up with on their watches, like I find recreational runners are really into that stuff about, oh, yeah, my watch tells me that I'm in this shape or my VO2 has gone up by two points. Gimmicks. There we go. That's gimmicks. the word I was looking
2: for, gimmicks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then people screenshot them and then, like, upload it to their, like, run as one of
3: the photos. Yeah. 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 All right, my oh, next one, me. my next one's interval training. So, I, I think that people place way too much emphasis on like the ten percent of the running they do throughout the week, and not enough on the ninety percent of running they sh- well they should be doing anyway. Everyone loves talking about their interval session, their four hundred repeats, or their K reps, or their hill sprints, or whatever they've done, um, but no one. No one cares about the easy jogging that they probably should be or could be doing instead of that in order to get fitter. So like I think if someone say that, let's take that same person running 30K a week. And if they came to me and said, I need to get better in two months, I need to race this 10K. uh, Like I'm going to say, okay, you're going to run more. You're going to do more easy running. That's how you're going to get fitter here. In eight weeks, let's try to get you running as much as possible um, because that's going to be the the, the best way or the the biggest reason um, that you'll get fitter and you'll be able to run faster in 10K. I'm not going to go, okay, well, let's stay at 30K. Maybe we increase it, but we're going to do intervals and we're going to do a threshold run uh, and all this other shit. Like, people aren't ready for that. People... People don't prepare themselves aerobically to handle those sessions because they're running terrible mileage. They're not not aerobically strong at all. I want to see a long period of jogging before I start introducing stuff like that.
2: Yeah, and then that leads into this next one I've got. When they do introduce the workouts, they put too much weight on how the workout went, not how the whole week's gone or the body of work lead into a race. And I've seen people like absolutely be high as a kite or down in the dumps just because of that one workout. Yeah,
3: and living and saying, dying by the workout.
2: Yeah, let's look at the last four weeks. This is great. Like it's probably a reason why that's gone well or or hasn't gone well. But be proud of the the prep you put together.
3: It's actually, it's a good it's a good point that I've got a slight bit of a side note. But I've just been going through um one of my preps, like the Doha prep, the marathon prep, and I've been basically making it uh it's like a spreadsheet i guess just pulling together the actual program that i had planned and then the strava notes for each workout just to show people how often things go wrong and and all the hiccups along the way that still can lead to a good race it's it, 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 i'm not sure what i'm going to do with it but i am thinking i'm going to give it to a few of the athletes like that i run with um just as a bit of a almost like a Confidence booster that um just because their workout went poorly, it 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 doesn't mean anything.
2: Yeah, that's a good thing to do. I'd love to know like a breakdown of what you had planned and what you actually did. Was it like ten percent difference or twenty five or like five percent? Like, do you know oh, off the yeah. top of your head?
3: I like, had some stinkers in there. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm just looking at like even just what i had planned and did i execute that and achieve the plan i'd say 80 percent oh i'd say about 60 percent of the time i achieved what i wanted yeah and and the the other 40 percent i either had to delay the workout for a day or i had to change it mid-workout or i didn't hit the splits i wanted or the effort was way too hard for what i wanted
2: and wouldn't that be a great thing sorry a great thing to know when you're starting a 10-week block like be prepared, yeah, yeah. and what links exactly. into what we we're talking about a few weeks ago. Be prepared because forty percent of this isn't going to go well, and we're going to have to make change. And that's why it shits me when people just plan like, "Here's your ten week marathon block. Now send me an invoice." Like, <laughs> you've got to be flexible. You've got to be yeah, fluid. Absolutely. You've got to have communication.
0: The flip side of that, Moose, is your plan is on the assumption that that's the perfect plan to start with. Yeah. Now, who's like, what's to say that maybe those hiccups are actually Enhanced your performance as opposed to maybe if you did the full plan, maybe you end up cooked. Yeah, style. and you never and you but you, but you never know because mm. you never got to do the you know the,
3: the what you thought was the perfect prep. And coaching is always a guess, right? Yeah, it it's is. Al- it, it's always trial and error. So I might write down I want like I'm do- going to do eight by a K at two fifty five pace, and that's me literally just punching numbers into a spreadsheet. That's not like. I, I could have wrote written 250 pace, and that's going to totally change the outcome of the like how I feel, whether I achieved the workout or not. Yeah. Uh, it's and so once you start realizing that the ins like it's so insignificant the actual details of the workout, um, it, it sort of gives you a lot more clarity around it, and it allows you to run the workouts with with better understanding of what you're doing and and more clear mind.
0: That's why I always give like paces rough like paces but are also next to it give like effort so like you know 355 or like 10k effort like whatever whatever it is so that you know if they get out there and it's you know the weather's crap then they get hopefully less caught up on the splits and run more to okay i need to run 10k effort today
3: yep
2: yeah you just got to finish it sometimes You has got to get out of the car for the warm-up like that's the win yeah yeah Yeah. but that's what i meant like there's so much weight put on oh this workout didn't go perfectly anyway any more croaks
3: oh
0: there's one more here that moose had written down which is run streaks which um i i see value in run like for me run streaks are always if i've been like just so inconsistent in my training i quite like in those early stages just getting a streak going because one i start to then build a bit of momentum but I think what Moose means here is like you just running, maintaining a streak just for the sake of maintaining a streak, even if you're sick, injured, mm. there's no point in that whatsoever.
3: Yeah. Detrimental. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Good question. Enjoyed that, Matthew. Yep. Uh, Moose on the loose, Perch of the Week. What do you
3: got? Uh, well, Are you in new I just, house yet? Nah, a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks, big move. When checked it out today, big move up the hill. It's on a bush block, and um, it is like fucking wilderness down in that bush block. Could barely even get to the end of it. It was like it's a thick bush. Needs a lot of work, you got a, a lot whip of a man hours. Off. Yeah, I got a. No, I'm th- I'm talking like fucking trees, oh. like chainsaw type you shit. You got an
2: axe?
3: Oh, I got a. Yeah, I don't have an axe. I got a chainsaw. That's right. good. Luck no with one that. uses. Axes, mate. Yeah, We're I not, use like an axe. Vikings. I,
2: sm- I smashed my handle on my axe the other day, put it in the middle of a log,
3: snapped it. Oh, you cut your own wood up?
2: Yeah, yep.
3: Oh, I need to see a video of that.
2: <sighs> Apart from two weeks before Gold Coast, I wasn't allowed to, so I had Carly axe and things in the backyard.
3: You t- you're, not, you're sure it's not one of them little baby tomahawk things?
2: That's what it looks like now, after the handle snapped off it. I'll send a photo in the group chat after this.
3: Oh, that would be a scene, anyway, watching you split wood.
2: That's what I do. Country living, um, mate.
3: No, I'm just, this, so I, it's actually none of those things, purchase or rant, whatever. It's. I thought we'd been on a bit of a good run with the uh, training talk. So it's like another training session, t- another training um, talk thing. So the, a lot of athletes find that when they have a bad race and they finish, they cross the finish line and a lot of people falling around, like really out of breath and, and they finish and it's almost like they didn't try hard enough it's almost like they didn't exert themselves and they start to wonder oh like i could have gone harder but their race went poorly for me and it um and then when they have really good races they find that they cross the line and they're totally spent they've exerted themselves totally uh and like i was just considering why that was um and i reckon like when you're having a bad race and you know it and you've lost your goals, like you know that the, your, your, your pre-race goals aren't achievable, you lose the motivation to push yourself or to exert yourself during that particular race. And so it gets to halfway. You realize that your time goal is not happening for that day. And so all of a sudden, the motivation to hurt yourself at a slower pace and achieve something that you're not happy with just leaves you, it deserts you. And so you find it hard to really, like, get to the finish line totally spent. Um, so you might cross the line and you're walking around and you're like, oh, fuck, that wasn't that bad, really. I wonder why I rent so poorly. Um, and then the days that you have, brilliant days, are the ones where you're sprinting to the line and everything's, like, hard as, you know, like, you've crossed the line and you've fallen over and you're heaving on the side um, – but you've found the motivation to put yourself at the absolute limit. You've you put yourself in the hurt locker because you were motivated to do it because the incentive to achieve your goal stayed with you longer through the race and you had a taste of it, like a carrot in front of you. And that carrot made you work harder and harder and harder all of a sudden until you cross the line. Um, and so I don't think you need, like, I, I think that's a good enough explanation for why that happens uh, you don't need to – a lot of people call themselves soft after that. A lot of people walk away and go, oh, I was mentally weak in that race. Um, but I don't think that's it. I just think that the, the the taste for the gold left you throughout. Would you agree with that?
2: Yeah, that's an interesting one because on the flip side, if you had like PBs and amazing races that have felt like effortless and you're like, oh, I should have pushed harder early,
3: no, I don't have that. Oh,
2: yeah, okay. Like, my 5K, I was just like, I finished way too fast. Like, I should have pushed, you know, two or three laps earlier. And I remember feeling like I'd missed an opportunity to go even quicker. But I think I actually just got the execution right. But
3: mm, well that's...
2: And then I'm walking around going, oh, shit, like, I could have. Yeah,
3: yeah. That's probably my next point. Mm. What about you, though, Croaks? I'm just interested. Do you have people that get disappointed in their mental strength when they... um? have a bad race but it's almost like they give up during the race even though but they Mm. only give up after their after the um realistic sort of goal has disappeared
0: uh mm, yeah not not so much like if i was putting this into like i probably have experienced this the last few years because like you know for most of my running it's always been about all right I'm going into this race to run as fast as you know as fast as I ever have before, and there's that motivation of a PB. And for me, once that motivation of a PB drops off, then the motivation to keep pushing is basically what to basically see what your current shape is. And so if it's not PB, it's, it's easier than just go. Oh, well, this is this is pretty shit. Like Sydney Ten yeah. this year. Like you know, I got to 3K and I'm like i'm not even going to go close well one i'm definitely not going to run a pb two i'm probably going to run slower than what shape i thought i was in i'm not going to like go to the front and push you know push the pace in this group um i'm sort of i'm sort of done and that's where for me now like i would need team events because it's more about doing it for the team as opposed to doing it for myself and and doing it for the team would increase my motivation
3: to hurt yeah you explain what i'm talking about though like, that was exactly what I'm sort of yeah. getting to, is is, is you have to, I mean, you have to find goals for yourself to, to, to push yourself. Like you said, the team goal is a great one, great goal, especially works in cross-country. And there's probably guys out there that run cross-country who give no fucks about the team. And so yeah. that's why it's not a big deal for them. And getting uh, back
0: to that, Moose, in terms of athletes that I coach, yeah, I, I do often have people say, oh, maybe if I yeah you know, it wasn't yeah it wasn't so soft in the back end then i would have been able to you know run a minute faster you know in the marathon but then you look at their splits and they're they're still like slowing down like you know significantly so it, so it's like well if you had anything left like you're you know you're coming home strong so like yeah. you probably you probably cooked anyway it's not it's not necessarily in the head it's you know you've reached your limit because if you're feeling good with 3 4k to go you're running five ten seconds a k faster than what you've been running.
3: Yeah, 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 and we sort of, like we've touched on it a little there, but that um the positive feedback cycle is just such a important thing I think, especially in marathoning. And f- for me, I learned that uh, I learnt that one day in Japan where I only ran two twenty eight. It was the first marathon though that I didn't blow up in. And I remember how amazing it felt to come through the field and pass people. And every time I passed someone, it gave me a little adrenaline surge. And then I would pick the next person off, and I got an adrenaline surge again. And I realized, like, this is how you would, like this is how you run the fastest that you can. Um, you have to have positivity late in the run to keep yourself in that um, position where you can bury yourself you're motivated enough to bury yourself. I think if you get quite negative in the back end, it's very hard to push yourself to dark places. Um, And I think how we can achieve that, like the obvious thing is to say, oh, don't go out too hard. But there's more than that. It's like you have to set yourself up to win in this case. Like you have to set yourself up to get these sort of positive um, reinforcements. And, you, I think being realistic in in your race goals is probably the major one. So when you come, like when you're planning your race goal, and let's as an example, like we've t- like we we talked about this this ideal world situation when someone comes into a marathon and like they ran a PB in the half, and so all of a sudden their calculators have readjusted for the marathon pace, and they're like, oh geez, I could probably run. 3.30 pace for this marathon on a brilliant day and so 3.30 pace, I'm going to be disappointed if it's not 3.30 pace and, and they start and all of a sudden they hit 3.30 pace and it's outside what they probably like should be running slightly because there's some variable that increases their heart rate by two or three beats. Um, whether it's a few hills, whether it's wind, whether it's some heat, whatever. And, and they get to halfway and they've run that with an average heart rate, that's like three to five beats over what it should be. Um, all of a sudden they're a little more fatigued, they're a little more spent, they've churned through the calories a little quicker. Uh, they're, they're starting to, to doubt themselves and then that negative feedback chain hits, they start to get passed by a few people, they realize, this is quotation mark, it's not my day, that's exactly what that, that person says after the race. It's, it wasn't my day today, day um, because I did one workout the previous 12 weeks that, that suggested that this was a, a slight possibility. And so I went out at that pace and then I didn't pull it off. So it wasn't my day. Whereas no, you just made total unrealistic esp- expectation for the, like, y- y- your race. Um, but if you set it up the opposite way, and, give, and sort of look at things and, and create a realistic race plan um, then that's that sets you up for a win and if you're having a brilliant day if it's that one out of 20 days where everything is going right always allow yourself a ceiling at the end allow yourself off leash time where in a marathon it could be 32k or it could be 33k or it could be 35k where you, you can take the, the ceiling away and 7k in a marathon if you're feeling good is a lot of time where you can take off and i don't think anyone has ever finished a marathon and thought geez i probably could have gone faster in that like there's just not the possibility to do that because there's so long in the race where you can pick the pace up like who who feels like they left their run too long in the marathon? Have you ever had a marathon like that
2: yeah I mm. think Craigs did
3: yeah
0: you know, my, last, my last 2k were my fastest yeah I was running like sub 310s I think towards the end but like but at the time I was still a little bit scared because you you know you see so many people push it from like 25 to 35k and then have like a disaster in that last like 7k. And I was, like, already running way faster than, like, I thought I would run. And so from, like, 30 to 35, I probably just was, like, too cautious because I'm, like, I just don't want things to go shit in that last part. And, yeah, had a bit too much probably in the last 2K. Yeah,
3: I don't know, though. (laughs) Like, you're explaining to me, like, you're explaining why you ran so well because you you, you had this – positive feeling like you were running through the field because what was your split that day what was your negative split Uh,
0: so I was 69 40 odd through half and then my second split was just under 68 67 something second half
3: so massive negative split Mm. which I mean like I I heard on the it was the last spin-off show Road to Gold Coast where it was pretty much agreed from all you blokes you Brady Brady you as well who basically said, oh, if you're negative splitting by 10 seconds or something, then you, you haven't got it right. You've run, I thought that was total shit. I
2: thought like that was because the... of the wind though. Wasn't that the context? Because you were running into a strong wind?
3: It doesn't matter. It's like, for me, that, does, that doesn't matter at all. The wind goes both ways. You literally run the same wind down as you ran back up. It's, it's not like one way course.
2: Yeah, but I, if you're running your fastest 5K from 37K to 42K on that Gold Coast course that day, you've probably have to be out it there. Perfectly. Wasn't that the question?
3: No, that's see, that's where I think you're wrong. That's what that's what I think. Like, that's the perfect way to do it because I think that finishing strong in these races, it it creates this um, situation we where went, you can You we went yourself.
2: past a lot of people.
3: Yeah, you would have been exactly. Good good feeling and you're running a 10 second off negative split like to me that's that's um that's exactly how you want to do it I I, I I hate people that think that positive splitting is the best way to run it i just don't believe that it's that, like
2: that was more just the last bit into the wind it wasn't positive
3: split so why can't you run into the wind faster like if you've timed it perfectly i think because you'd had you'd a
2: tailwind able... from 15k through to 35k.
3: Yeah, so you've got your heart rate and you're down. you have been
2: patient, yeah. So then you can attack that last 5k.
3: So why did you? Why were you arguing that this, like, you shouldn't be running fast in that period?
2: Um, I think it was just the trend of the day that pretty much a lot of people would have slowed from that turnaround point because the wind right. hit them.
3: The, the the conclusion was you've got it wrong if you were running that well, basically.
2: No, that the... The, no, the question was, did you leave time out there?
3: You didn't. In my mind, like, you, you made up that time in the last 5K, surely. It's like, the, that's it's when not you made a, it I think was. the
2: question was about, like, because you only had 5K to make it up when you could have been picking it up with the tailwind from that 15 to 35K. Like, you had 20K of tailwind.
3: You can leech so much more you can time it as well. than you, you can pick it up. Yeah. That's the problem. People Like, you can... If you, What happens from 35 onwards can be total disasters. You yeah. can lose 30 seconds a K just like click of the fingers or you can pick it up 5, 10 seconds a K if you're having a brilliant one. Um, yeah, I think there's much more. Yeah. I, I still don't think people get the marathon that right um, and I still think blokes running 62 minutes should be doing better than 217. Jeez, That's come out
2: swinging here, croaks. I told mm-hmm. you, to be Vincent. I
3: Vincent. It's not about Tim Vincent. It's about that particular.
2: He's the guy running sixty-two, wasn't he?
3: Well, it doesn't matter if it's Tim. Like I like Tim. I like listening to him. But I'm just saying, if I'm running sixty-two minutes and I'm running two seventeen, and I'm running it with a positive, like I don't think he had a positive split. He ran well. He was right? pretty even. Yeah. Yeah, I thought, and and so I listen to him him and he said I left it out there right he, he said that's why I, I
2: was trying to tell him that he hadn't left it out there
3: no he, he hadn't left it out there I was
2: quoting you in that situation
3: I, I like I think there's better ways to run the marathon and I think if people change their uh their race plans around that and didn't try to absolutely nail it from the very like start of the race then they're going to come out with like a, a better race result. That's me anyway. That's me.
0: I'm with that, Moose. Like, well, my best result was like, yeah, you know, almost a two-minute negative
2: split. Um, yeah. There is no <laughs> doubt in that, though. That is like common knowledge. I think everyone should know. That's the best way to run a marathon.
3: I yeah, but don't most,
2: think but think most, most people, people can't execute com- it, though.
0: Well, they're just they're, – I think sometimes they're a bit insecure in that – they they're not willing to go through halfway slower than their goal pace because then they start to get negative. Yeah. When they shouldn't be getting negative, they should be hitting halfway potentially slower than their goal pace, but they're feeling so good that then yeah, this positive cycle starts and then they can go to work in the back end. Absolutely. And make up and insecure, make up. Insecure,
3: perfect word, insecure. They don't have confidence in their training. And they don't have confidence in their ability to increase the pace late. And perhaps that comes down to their training. Perhaps they haven't done enough workouts where they've got to the 35K mark of a training run and been able to progress the pace. Because if you do enough of those workouts, you know that you can do that. And you know deep down like that's going to happen in the race. And you can sit back like you did, Crokes, at um, Bwa and you can go through in 69-whatever and crank it down. Because you're confident in your training, you trust your training, uh you trust your fitness, and you're patient and disciplined
2: mm. good did turn a bit moose on the Lucy. I liked it
3: <laughs> oh yeah i' I'm, I'm fired up for this marathon,
2: yeah, you I'm better have a good one at Sydney. Good. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm going out at 60, <laughs> nothing with a six in front of it, that's for sure. Can't I have
2: another DNF from you after Osaka? That wouldn't be a nah, good,
3: good year. I've been copping shit about that too. It's the yeah. fallback from a lazy banter in it within our group. Lazy banter yeah, is... I like that. Oh, you're only yeah, as good your as last your last race. Yeah. <laughs> lazy banter, I reckon.
2: Yeah, no, show us how it's all done. Execute. Looking forward to that. Uh, what's coming up, fellas? Got anything special coming up in your lives? Croaks, you, we know what you're doing. Moose, yep. what are you doing?
1: Mm,
3: Any working Any gigs? Any Melbourne Ballarat, trips? Ballarat, Ballarat,
2: Oh yeah, Ballarat, 15K's is on, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. It's a chance for you to execute a good race.
3: Nah, no, I'm working out. I'm doing a workout.
2: What workout are you doing?
3: I'm gonna do, uh, I haven't decided yet, actually. Haven't decided. I was going to do the progression run, but I thought that progression run that I just did was the better introduction to training. So I'm thinking I might do um, some intervals during it.
2: 4x4k, a bit of a float in there.
3: Yeah. That's too long, though. 3x4k. 3x4k could be it, mate. There we go. That's good. I like it. That's
2: good uh that's a wrap for our 300th episode but keep an eye out i'm working on this like survey census to ask the listeners we want to know more about you and how we kind of spoke about it last week how you found the show what you enjoy listening to i've got a few questions kind of penned down here who is who are some of the people you're a fan of in australian distance running because that's always good to know i've kind of got a big list of like some some superstar australian athletes here good to know for like people are trying to tee out for interviews Favourite interviews of all time, I've got a section there for. What's your favourite segment of the show? So keep an eye out on our socials. I'll post this link tomorrow to Patreon, then it will go everywhere Wednesday. How long have you been listening to the show? All those kind of survey questions um, to to figure out who our listeners are and how we can kind of shape the show to suit our listeners. So please, if you get an opportunity, that data would be good if a lot of people filled it out. It's not so good if we just get five people. Um, And then, yeah. Looking forward to seeing some of those responses, fellas. What comes in from the people that were in their ears? Should be good?
3: That's Great. a good idea. It looks fun. I'm, I'm interested to learning about the um, uh, what our list, what our average listener looks like. You should do an AI version of our listener.
2: Oh, yeah, cool. Like, well, I've got like, I want to know about their like Marathon PB or if you haven't ran one, your 10k PB I've got here. What's your favourite distance to race? I've got a few different, and most of it's mobile choice, so it should only take like mm. two minutes max to fill this thing out, unless you want to type in detailed responses for some of the questions. How many pairs of shoes do you buy per year, Moose? I put that in there. Yeah, good. That's that, a good actually, one. Marathon a P- good question.
0: Marathon PB is pretty good because it, it helps us with the um spin off shows as well. Because yeah. if we've got like a heap of listeners that are, in that like three thirty marathon range, then potentially it's worth doing a road to wherever for people that are you know looking to run under three thirty or three twenty or whatever it is.
2: Yep, and I know some people did hit our DMs after we spoke about this last week. So if you want to just copy and paste some of that stuff in here, so it's all in the one spot, that would be, um, yeah, real. It's going to be really interesting just to find out who our listeners are and know more about them, so we can shape the show, show to suit them. We're done, boys. Episode 300 in the bag. Hopefully, we're doing this for another 300.
3: Cheer us off. Hey. cheer, <laughs> cheer us, us off. off.
2: Get Zach to lift us off. <laughs> uh, uh, we'll do it all Uncle again. Well, oh, you won't be here next week, Croaks. So we'll save some of these responses till the week after when you're back here. Be good to kind of talk about. But um, all yep. the best for next week. And Thank then um, yeah, we'll see you in a fortnight. Sounds good.
0: See you, Good luck, mate. All
3: the Thank best. Thank you. Bye.
0: Special thanks to Asics for sponsoring this episode of the Inside Running Podcast. Stability has never felt better than with the Gel Kayano 30. Updated with a 4D guidance system for support right when you need it, and pure gel technology for softer landings every time. Visit asics.com or your specialty running store to grab your pair today.